The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself a gun. gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk, talk about, about it. it. We very much thank you all for being here and, of course, for giving us five stars in a review on the Apple Podcast uh, app or store or whatever. Um I did see a few messages from people who told us, uh, hey, Matt, uh, we would love to do that, but we use Android devices and uh, and therefore they can't do it. So I understand that some of you use Androids and you can't do it. But you know what? You can always you can always uh, make like a picture macro of us and put it on uh, 8chan or whatever the fuck yeah. Android people do. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you weirdo Android people do with your better phones then we have uh you know go feel free to do it just as long as you somehow figure out a way to show i have access to my root files Uh. (laughs) that's what they sound like yeah they're always talking about their root i don't give a shit dude just show me where the internet is that's what i say (laughs) Uh, which button does internet yeah which button shows me my stock market portfolios uh speaking of which uh you know uh I, i bought I don't know why I'm talking about this now, but I, I made the mistake of buying <laughs> stock recently and uh, weed needs to be legal soon because that stock is just plummeting for no reason. Mm. It's like weed stock. Anyways, so if you're out there and you can't give us five stars in review, um, buy some stock in weed. Um, it'll help raise the price so I can sell and never buy stock again. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, today, our guest is a returning champion of Pod Yourselves a Gun, someone who has been on a previous episode. You know her, you love her from the Hollywood Crime Scene podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Rachel Fisher. Hello, thanks for having me back. Oh, thank you for coming back. We really appreciate it. How have you been? I've been well. I moved recently, so that's exciting. And, uh,. You know, just hanging out in quarantine still. Still in quarantine. Did you still get in any quarantine over here? You got a shot yet? Any of the shots? I did. I got my second shot last week. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Congr- congrats. Yeah. Thank one- you. Does that mean you're one week away from being able to go outside again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a week I'm a week away from trying to remember how to dress for yeah. normal situations. Yeah, yeah. 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 I kind of was, I was one of those people that definitely became a hermit. mm -hmm. I mean, it was really easy because like I work from home. Yeah. So why would I have to leave? No, I feel you. I feel you. I I also was just like, um, you know, 
hey, everyone has to be inside. Perfect. This is, you know, gives me a reason to isolate <laughs> completely uh, to not keep up with anybody who I know. Yeah. And uh, you're like, I've, I've already trained for this with the with the heroin. <laughs> Yeah, I've been, listen, I've been an addict before. I know how to stay inside and be sad. So <laughs> that is not a problem for me. I agree. Uh, yeah. And speaking of which, we we brought you on this episode specifically because I always said if uh, we'll, we ever get to the episode with the intervention, uh, I need to have Rachel Fisher on because uh, you and I are both in recovery. And I was like, this is a perfect uh, perfect guest for uh, every time Chris uh, reaches another step in the recovery uh, relapse process. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so did you? Uh, uh, since coming on this podcast last, uh, did you start rewatching The Sopranos all the way through and get super into it? That- well, um, I realized there were so many things that I had like forgotten the trajectory of. Like, mm-hmm. for example, Ralphie eating oh, it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, that that's happened yeah. already. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I. <laughs> so you did it. You're telling me you didn't rewatch right after. I, did you... not re- I rewatched the, the episode. Yes. Oh, I that's good. The, I rewatched the episode, of course, because it's been a while since I've seen the whole series. Right. Right. I but guess you've I already watched... seen it. You don't need to rewatch it. I just I, I take pride in every time someone comes on this pod and they're like, hey, now I'm rewatching it. And I don't know why I take pride in it. I, di- I didn't write The Sopranos, but <laughs> I, t- yeah. I have a lot of stock in that. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, no, I, I am. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. Thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming back. And uh, as you know, and the audience knows before we get started with this episode, we must first listen to uh, the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right. Yeah. Hell now we're yeah. ready. Now we're excited for it. We were dancing the whole time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and everyone, uh, today we are going to be talking about from season four of The Sopranos, episode 10, The Strong Silent Type, which uh, premiered November 17th, 2002. Vince, why don't you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? In the midst of suspicions that he killed Ralph, I don't know why I said suspicions. Let me try that again. In the midst of suspicions that he killed Ralph, Tony tries to intervene and get Chris clean and sober. Yeah. All right. That was a a, a little rhyming. I don't know why. Sure. That's a synopsis, sort of. That's a synopsis. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode premiered? Oh, I mean, I think what you're trying to say is that you cannot evaluate art outside of its cultural Uh context. You know I'm not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, And, you know, for that, we go to the Remember When machine. Walk, walk. Remember 
Remember when it's the lowest form of conversation. Uh, that's right. So for this episode, for the Remember When Machine, we're going all the way back to November 17th, 2002. Mm. It was a Sunday. Uh, a lot of stuff was happening. You know, for these, I try to get a couple headlines that are like serious and show sort of the arc of uh, history. And then yeah. some that are just weird things that we probably memory hold. Um, oh, okay. In terms of the arc of history, uh, agencies monitor Iraqis in the U.S. for terror threat. Uh, we're still we're still trying to do that whole Iraq war thing around this time. Yeah, uh, it's, the, yeah it's interesting because it's like uh, we've got like you know every you know we do this every week, so we are actually going through a week by week process of hearing headlines about the ramp up to the Iraq war, and I'm at the point now where I'm like. Uh, maybe I'm feeling like every other American was feeling where I'm like, oh my God, just get on with it. Do the <laughs> yeah. war. Yeah. I think that's what, that was what their it. strategy was, was just exhaustion. Like, all right, you've been talking about it for eight straight months. Could you just invade already and leave us alone? Um, I know. You keep promising to do it. Jesus Christ. The Bush administration has begun to monitor Iraqis in the United States in an effort to identify potential domestic terrorist threats posed by sympathizers of the Baghdad regime. Senior government official said, uh, the previously undisclosed intelligence program involves tracking thousands of Iraqi citizens and Iraqi Americans with dual citizenship who are attending American universities or working at private corporations and who might pose a risk in the event of a United States led war against Iraq. You know, Holy just shit. in case that happens. I oh. don't even remember this. Th- this, this is like, they, they were going to do like fucking internment camps or what is, I think it's just a what? early foreshadowing of the Patriot act where they're like, ah, you know, oh. we might, uh, we might be doing some stuff right now, but don't worry hey, about it. We might listen to your phone calls a little bit, you know, get a Rico case on some people trying to do prayers. No big deal. This was such a fuck time. I'm like, <laughs> having all these flashbacks and I was like only in high school. Yeah. During this era. I know you were too, Matt. Yeah. Um, I just like now I'm just having all these memories of like, yeah. this is so fuck. And of course, you know, being a dipshit, dumbass high school student, <laughs> even me knowing like this is this is a lie. This is a bad right. idea. This is yeah. why are we seems, doing this? Seems fake, but OK. Yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I remember just feeling like they are probably lying to us because it feels like they're lying to us and because everything they say sounds like a lie but what 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 if that one chance in a million that it's not a lie and (laughs) yeah do they get you do do i want to be responsible for the mushroom cloud nope you know (laughs) sure don't speaking of weird ass time uh uh, i got a nice sign of the times this is that was the second most popular uh, article on the new york post that day Um, all right Religious-based mutual funds unblessed. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Americans rediscovered religion after the terrorist attacks in New York and Washington last fall, attending services (laughs) in greater numbers and sending religious-themed books to the top of the bestseller list. Oh, boy. But perhaps the most interesting way that religion entered the life of ordinary Americans was its intersection with another American obsession, the stock market. Hey, I was just talking about stocks. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, listen it's still up, an Matt. obsession. Yeah. <laughs> this is about me. Mutual funds that use religious principles to develop their investment focus certainly already existed, but in the past year, the concept has exploded. 
new funds as well as already established religious themed mutual funds are gathering assets like mad that what does this mean like no yeah like 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 i'm buying stock in jesus christ yeah right it's this fucking like you get a little bit of this profit you get a little (laughs) bit of uh you know you get you get all of the apostles you i i got stock in matthew personally but uh i think this could have been the start of like prosperity doctrine type shit. Uh, oh, shit. Many people are looking to invest in harmony with their spiritual beliefs, said William Van Allen, chairman of <laughs> NOAA Funds. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. The grift is strong. I love it. We are determined to we show... We got two of every stock. <laughs> That's I mean, how we thing, do mutual funds. The thing about 9-11 era is this was the ultimate era if you wanted to be a grifter. The grift oh, yes. was so easy. Like, you yeah. could just... I mean, all you had to do was slap an American flag on something. On anything. Yeah. On anything. And you yeah. could sell it in yeah. this era. Yeah, very easily. Like, uh, honestly, it was we we look at the times we live in now and we go like, man, this is so crazy. Everyone's just so openly grifting. And it's like if you lived through the 9-11 era, it was wild. You couldn't believe the amount of things people were getting away with just because they invoked either Jesus or the American flag. And you were like. This is, I feel like people are willfully falling for this shit. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course they believe QAnon is stopping oh. the pedophile cabal. Of Completely course. natural progression. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> there was an interview today with, I think, George W. Bush that came out where he was yes. just like, he was saying like, oh, it, it it disgusted me watching all those people, you know, take over the Capitol and whatnot. <laughs> and I was just like, motherfucker, you <laughs> destroyed Iraq. Yeah, you, <laughs> you did that. You did that with planes and stuff. You did that with fucking planes. You fucking, we, oh man, if you think that's bad, holy right. shit, you we, should see the damage you have wrought. <laughs> we are determined to show that you do not have to sacrifice performance when investing with biblically based mutual funds. <laughs> Incredible oh. sentence. Uh, the assets in all religious-themed funds are up 191% in the past 10 years. The reason, however, is a bit of a mystery since performance has been anything but heavenly. I mean, honestly, this is like, this is, this era's like Dogecoin. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is people, yeah. they're, they're buying religious crypto. Uh-huh, pretty much. It's uh, yeah. Goge, God, God, <laughs> yeah, coin. Goge sure. coin. There we go. It's Dogecoin. We got there. <laughs> yeah, it was there. Um... And, uh, you know, another another one that you probably forgot about was how popular uh, the Osbournes was at, in 2002. Um, oh, yeah. And also yeah. from the post, Kelly says, shut up. Kelly Osbourne claims... Can she, she do that? <laughs> wow! <laughs> Kelly Osbourne claims she doesn't care about how well her debut album, Shut Up, sells when it's released mm. next week. But she does actually sound like a demon-possessed albeit a very nice fashionable demon mm. sure right maybe she you just stretch the metaphor record tri- career <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I i do i do remember like she had like a single come out and uh she remember did a cover of papa don't preach yes yes that's right remember jack Fuck. osborne remember when he was a guy is he dead yeah. I, I don't know you just never hear about he's like uh, the, the i don't kids. know did he get canceled or does he just did he no. just like he, he, he did not get canceled. I think he's just living a quiet life. Oh, or, good for him. I don't know, but maybe he, 
didn't he have like a travel show with his dad now that I think about it? I thought he got into I fitness at some point and he was like into martial arts and stuff, which I respect as a martial I'll, artist. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Vince is a martial know. artist and he respects other martial artists. That's right. It's a, it's a mutual respect thing that you mm-hmm. guys probably wouldn't understand. But No, um, I, I, I super don't. Yeah, I, I'm no, bowing I towards my computer just thinking about him. Um <laughs> I just had so much fun doing it, writing the songs, recording them, and seeing how they ended up, she says. I'd get crazy. They'd tell me, track seven is coming in today. I'd freak out until I got to the house, and then I'd run up to the bedroom and lock the door and listen to it about 20 times before I let anyone else hear it. Oh, well, that's kind of sweet. Sure. Good for her. I mean, it's kind of funny because she's like, oh, we, we finished your song. And then I, yeah. I do you want to hear it? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Yeah. Imagine having <laughs> that level of privilege where you just sort of like, you show up one day in the studio uh, and you sing probably poorly. And then you come back and you listen to the song that a bunch of people made for you. I, I love that though. That's like at the mall when you would go to the mall and they would make a music video for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's how, isn't that how f- that song Friday? Yeah. With the- Friday. She, her get- parents paid for that. They yep. paid for the whole like studio and yeah. the music video. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Kelly. Her parents paid for that. She's the Rebe- right. Rebecca Black of her time. But uh, I don't know. She's I, Rebecca I, I, Black Sabbath. Very no. good. Very good, Vince. You're getting better at I mean, this. it was right there. I just had to pick it up and I throw it in the toilet. I, I didn't even see it. Yeah. Well, you got. Yeah. Can have the Very right good. kind of eyes. Um, top movies in the country. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets mm-hmm. uh, was the number one movie. Anyone want to guess which number in the Harry Potter uh, series that was? Two? Is that two? That Yeah, that's I, two. Wow. You guys, guys both got I, it. I Jeez. got that right? Yeah, you got it right. I've never seen Harry Potter. I saw the first one. The and first one magical. was kind of good. It's mm. it's delightful. And then the rest right. of them are all so fucking dull that I don't know how anyone sat yeah. through more than 30 minutes of them. Yeah, I was not a fan of any of the other ones, but that first one was great, uh, despite the uh, fact that the uh, goblins who work in the bank were very much an anti-Semitic stereotype. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got really high for that one. We took some edibles, and then during like the... Uh, the sorting hat scene where the hat just starts telling people what uh, yeah. what cast they belong to. <laughs> Me and Brad yeah, 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 just yeah. looked at each other like, holy <laughs> shit, dude, the hat's talking. That uh, was good. That was good. And then, and then we thought the other ones would hold up, and they didn't. Um, no. Uh, second, uh, well, other two movies, Eight Mile and Santa Claus 2 were holdovers. Uh, songs yeah. are same as the last couple weeks. Lose Yourself by Eminem. Uh, Mom Spaghetti and uh, the top rock song was still uh, You Know You're Right by famous heroin user uh, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. He he was a former heroin user, and that's a great segue um, into us talking about The Sopranos. So first, um, this is once again the Strong Silent Type episode, um, and the synopsis is essentially this is Chris's intervention episode. It's very... Uh, you know, recovery themed, heroin themed. And uh, that's why I have a Bada B story. But first, I just want to say, Vince, mm. uh, um, first of all, you and Brent, producer Brent, gave me the idea for this Bada B story. Yeah, yeah. And I want to point out that the last time I did a Bada B story with a song, 
uh, I sped it up because it was too long, and I was like, I have to speed it up. And you just you just shat all over it. You shat. Well, you shat we were all just over. we didn't know what to, we'd never heard it, it you was, sped it was, up before. It was so very it was high a little. Pitch. It was a little jarring. We didn't know. It was like, is that Matt or is that like a dolphin who made us? Well, so because of that, uh, this one is not sped up and it's a little bit long. So just <laughs> look, no one who listens to this podcast complains about the length of your musical parodies that I, that I, I know. I, I don't know, but in my head they do. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, I would like to present to you the Bada Beast. Let me, can I just point, can I give Brent a shout out for, uh, for giving you the melody idea here? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Cause I suggested drain you by Nirvana, which is another song yeah. that I associate with heroin, but uh, Brent had a, better idea and i think we all agreed so we all agreed brent killer idea sweet thanks strap in folks this is one of those songs that i think i learned when i first started playing guitar that i will like never forget the intro to as long as i live because of that yeah Yeah. i think this is our generation stairway to heaven it Absolutely, one hundred percent. Sometimes I feel like I sat on my wife's dog. Sometimes I feel like it crawled there for warmth. At least I have Eddie, my junkie friend, loves me. Who boxes I am? Together we're high. So long. I open the door and I see my Carmela. I make her some cafe and ignore her son. I have no girlfriend. I need communication. I wanna kiss her, but she my boss wife. Oh, it's a red and the hot chili pepper. And I don't ever wanna see that painting again. I miss my horsey pie, oh my, more than my human friends. And I don't ever wanna see that horse burned again, repainted so that Anthony looks like Napoleon. Napoleon. Why we're it's just going to keep going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, he's Italian. I guess it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Christopher did some drugs. Sopranos in adventure. You're doing uh, Third Eye Blind again. Yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> and Ralphie's still missing. Carmella changes her hair. What a bitch, my name is <laughs> All right. Yeah. Wait a minute. Is that uh-huh. you singing, Matt? Yeah, that was me. Oh my. 
What do you think? I thought you got like a friend to do it. You sound like Anthony Kiedis a lot, like in the first. Like that was a very good Thank impression. you. I honestly, I'm just gonna say this song was surprisingly in my range, and yeah. I listened to it after I recorded it, and I was like, I'm pretty good at singing. Like this was. <laughs> You nailed I, it. Hey, I, I got, it's a me, uh, Antonio Aquiles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was I was very surprised because usually, uh, you know, with these songs, I uh, you know I gotta go a few octaves down. I find a way to do that. But uh, with this, I was like, hey, Anthony Aquiles, me, we got the same. Yeah. Anyways, thank you. That was yeah. Yeah. You, I, I mean, was, you could have a tribute band. Dude, someday. After quarantine is over. You should think about that. I should. I should. It would be nice to, you know, I mean, I already got a tribute podcast. Right. <laughs> I feel like having a tribute band also makes sense. Um, but yeah, that uh, those about to be stories that covers all of the storylines that you're going to hear in this episode. I mean, just just so much happens. Uh, but this is uh, this is the episode where Chrissy uh finally is the straw that breaks the camel's back uh you know and he gets uh or the dog's back well or the dog's neck the great thing about this episode is that i feel like in any other hbo prestige drama uh you know this heroin episode would be like the lead into like a very dramatic like very special episode and i mean and in some ways it is but like they refused to do this in any way but a very Sopranos version uh, of an intervention. And um, I mean, like I remembered, I I remembered that intervention and it just overshadowed everything else in the episode. And uh, it still does. And it's, it's only because it's so fantastic. I was just going to say that I'm glad they didn't. I mean, obviously I wouldn't imagine the Sopranos would go in a schmaltzy, like overly dramatic way to handle this, but I think it (laughs) actually represented like late stage drug addiction very well and just yes. the banality of it yes. and how it's 100%. just so lame. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the, that's my favorite thing that they do with drug addiction in this show is they, they don't romanticize it at all. They show exactly how lame it is to be a junkie. Like right. it's not fucking like him, like, Chrissy getting beat beaten up by some Puerto Ricans, you know, and and getting his watch stolen, like that's almost more romantic than they usually do it. Right. For the most part, it truly is. But sitting, there's no w- watching TV. There's no like cool montage where like the heroin bubbles on the spoon, and then yeah, right. and then like there's a close up on the syringe, and then his his pupil uh, pins yes. out when he's like yes. every other thing would have done it that way. Because I don't know, I feel like directors love to shoot drug scenes because it's usually something that they haven't done so it's like oh we've seen this this is cool let's really stylize this and the sopranos is just like nah he's gonna shoot up and uh sit on the dog like a fucking three stooges bit yeah (laughs) it feels it feels like it is uh like most drug scenes uh in movies and whatnot are directed by current active drug addicts who this is the cool thing that they see in their head when they're doing drugs like even the (laughs) even the pain is cool Uh you know it's like uh the suffering you know like you know pulling out a fucking sink from a bathroom just like looking in the mirror going what am i you know all that shit (laughs) but like the sopranos feels like it was 
directed and written by someone in recovery mm-hmm. who's yeah. like no or someone having are- to deal with a high person where they're just yes like, Ugh, yeah. this fucking they're- bullshit again yeah they're just the worst yeah the worst and you don't realize that as an addict you don't realize until like years later sometimes just how much of an asshole uh-huh. you were and and how annoying you were and re- yes. repetitive just how repetitive your bullshit is totally like and just how much everyone had to put up with you for however many years mm-hmm. and you're just like so embarrassed like so it's, embarrassed it's the ultimate cringe you haven't experienced cringe <laughs> yes until you've been a junkie and then recovered yeah <laughs> when i speak from personal experience because Looking back, it's like, yes, there were moments where maybe I thought things were glamorous or I, I wanted to make them glamorous. Mm-hmm. But a majority, 95% of my moments were absolutely humiliating yep. and embarrassing. Completely. Well, every, every junkie memoir is always like the same bullshit origin story where they're like, yeah, I just had this like increased capacity for feeling the pain of being alive in the world. And that's why <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. deadened myself with drugs. And it's just like, and you read them and I care too much. Yeah. You know, like they all have something where they're super special. Like Kurt Cobain, I remember like half the things about Kurt Cobain were about like, yeah, he had this like rare digestive thing where he just had this like stomach, this unexplained stomach pain that he had to dull with drugs. Right. He had an ulcer that he had to. Right. And and it's like, listen, I'm not saying that heroin wouldn't help an ulcer. Of course (laughs) it would. But that's what a heroin junkie would yeah. use to treat an ulcer and yes. not whatever the fuck you actually are supposed to take. Yeah, and that's and what like they would tums. tell you about why they're yeah. doing drugs more than anything else. It's always yeah, like, oh, I'm doing it because I have this pain that no one else has ever experienced before. And that's right. the thing is it's like it's it's not meant to put down people who are currently, you know, going through pain and, uh, you know, using alcohol or drugs to dull it or to numb it out. It's it makes sense. It's not it's not to put that down, but it's not special. It's right. not something like your pain isn't more special or harder than most. Like on average, you're usually dealing with an average level of pain that is part of like the human experience. And you is know? mostly right. part of the cycle of like withdrawal that you created by doing the drugs. That's so true. I can't, (laughs) I can't say how much wreckage has just come from me being in that in between moment without drugs and then causing drama in that moment and just being like, man, it's just the drugs. And it's like, no, it's the, it's the withdrawal. It's being without (laughs) drugs that would call. Oh my God. I like, (sighs) Uh, yeah, you're right, Rachel. There's there's no level. You don't know cringe until you <laughs> recover from being a drug addict and look back at all the times you just, you know, cr- called your friends up at two in the morning crying and not telling them why. <laughs> <laughs> or conversely, call your friends up at two in the morning when you're mm-hmm. tweaked out of your mind and be like, hey, you want to talk right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or just like coming out as bisexual and and not being bisexual, <laughs> you know, just like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm bisexual. <laughs> and people are like, okay, I don't know why you're sure. freaking out right now. 
Uh, but yeah, it is. It's wonderful the uh, the amount of dullness and uh, the mundaneness of Chrissy's drug addiction. And in this episode is the first time that we see uh, from from what I can remember is the first time we see an actual like casualty uh, from his addiction beyond like kind of the abusive stuff he's done with aid. He we open it with him uh, killing Cosette. Mm, poor little Cosette. By, by sitting on her neck yeah. and and just just breaking it and it's like one of those things where i'm like uh i it's a fear that i have with my cat a lot and mm. i'm sober but it's a fear that i have with my cat uh and i i'm just kind of of the opinion that i think that dog would move right i mean you would one have, would hope or make a noise I mean, I it didn't yeah. make a noise right after. It, made a, it's, it made went a, like, and then it right. died. But he also, they also took the, it's like vocal cords out because it was too yappy. So, yeah. who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that seems wrong. Yeah. yeah to do that. Up. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe Adriana should take a look at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love, I mean, he immediately goes into excuse mode and all of his excuses are just so beautifully lame. Oh yeah, I have a I have a clip of the uh, of Cosette being dead. Where's the dog? You shut the TV. Oh my god, Cosette. I like you shut the TV because it's like it's <laughs> such a weird malapropism that people do all the time. Yeah. What? Christopher, she's not breathing. Her neck feels broken. Fuck. Oh my god, she's dead. I fell asleep. What? She must have crawled under there for warmth. Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> you fucking killed her. I didn't kill her. I must have sat on her. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, yeah, he must have crawled under there for warmth. It was pretty good. And then he also blames her. And he says, uh, how many times I tell you to keep her off the furniture? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it's so, it, he immediately goes into victim blame. And he also just said, she must have crawled under there for warmth as uh <laughs> yeah like the, as an excuse like they're living out in the fucking uh in nature and the dog was trying to get shelter from the elements yeah, uh, uh, in his right. ass it's so funny because like <laughs> in that moment he's he's thinking to himself like oh poor thing too bad just you know death randomly happens this way and it's like no motherfucker like there's nothing romantic about this you actually sat on its neck and broke it right it's hor- it's a horrific way to have your pet die it's, it's so traumatic and they did this was so subtle in just the way that they portrayed like the alcoholic getting mad at the person who has a yeah. right to be mad at them Yes. And pushing it on them, like, you know, keep Cassette off the furniture. Right, yeah. How many times did I tell you to keep Cassette off the furniture on the off chance that I nod out on the dog and break its neck? <laughs> Just the perfect the perfect victim blaming from Christopher. And uh and yeah, you know, it just kind of uh starts this uh the spiral towards uh, you know, what's eventually gonna happen with Chris in this episode. Um but uh, before we get to more of that, uh, the other storylines that are happening, we've got Carm and Furio having um, their the continuation yeah. of, of their lovely She's relationship. She's got a new haircut to try and impress Furio, and she gets a hairstyle that I would 
describe as a, a modified can I speak to the manager um, haircut. <laughs> Uh, you know, she's got a modified Karen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's got anytime you see like uh, an angle that's like more than 45 degrees from the neck up to the crown of the head. That's uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what you're dealing with there. And yeah. And Tony being the great husband <laughs> that he is, he notices her hair, which is actually like a good husband move. But then his first question is, what the hell did you do to your hair? yeah right yeah the wrong thing to say which only cements further that he is not the sensitive flower no no Mario is a hundred percent and it's like like the fact that he wanted to be informed i I thought you were (laughs) we were gonna talk before you change your hair it's like that's a level of control that i uh i both think is moderately abusive uh but i also am like well if you have that understanding in a relationship i i guess i mean if you're someone who's really into your wife's hair and you just desperately don't want it changed you know maybe who am i to judge but uh he uh, i think that was a moment of how dare you how dare you uh possibly make yourself less fuckable to me uh, Even though know. I'm fucking all these other chicks <laughs> yeah. on the side all the time. <laughs> Not going to go over super well. I mean, Carmen away is sort of his, is his trophy wife. I mean, right. in, in, in multiple ways. Um, and I think that's kind of a theme throughout the episode. Tony, uh, the episode is called the strong uh, silent type, you know, which is not uh, his whole thing about Gary Cooper and what happened to men being men and whatnot. Well, this episode contains three tr- strong silent types and uh, two uh, weak whiny types. And I feel like the both of the weak whiny types, I, that's my alternate title for this episode is the weak whiny type. And it's Tony and Christopher are both weak whiny types and you've got Svetlana, Furio and Carmela are to me the actual strong silent types in there you know like Furio and Carmela are both desperately in love but they are doing everything they can to m- continue that love being unrequited you know they they're not saying the thing that they want to say to each other and and a lot of that is because uh they have kind of the strength of character but to you, know to know that and and also they're smart enough to know it's a terrible terrible idea right i think part of it remember in seinfeld when elaine and the other and one of her boyfriends both think the other one is like uh hispanic or something and so they like convince themselves that they're in a interracial relationship and that it's really cool because of that and they realize and then they realize like they don't actually like each other i think that's like this is like a very like they're both Carmela and Furio have uh, convinced themselves that they're in this like tragic uh, star-crossed relationship that can never be. And they're both really into the drama and uh, the melodrama of, of that and more so than, he, than each other, really. I always thought it was tragic that Carmela never fucked Furio Me and too. she never fucked that priest. Yeah. Because... Yeah. I mean, she was just loyal to Tony till the end. Well, she tried to fuck the priest, but then he like came in his pants and she was pissed. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But But no, but she didn't really, but she didn't really try to fuck the priest. Like she didn't, she never went there. Like, well, she basically like said, Hey, I'm ready. You better make a move. And then, 
and then well, he kind of didn't, and then she, she lost respect. She for put him. herself in the position, but the question is, would Carmella ever go through with it? And I am kind of a firm no on that. I think at the end of the day, you know, Carmella tried to in that episode specifically try to. Um, tell the priest that he has this weird thing about like flirting and unrequited love and like using the fact that he can't have sex with someone as like kind of an emotionally manipulative tool. And I think that's total projection. I think that Carmela also does the thing where she falls in love with people that she can't have. Yeah. And, I think, uh, I mean, I yeah. think she wanted him to make a move, but yeah, she probably would have, you know, she probably would have like pushed him off after he got the tip in and then it would, you know, <laughs> It's no, a very good. specific moment. <laughs> we can't do this anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Furio is still desperately in love with Carmela, and uh, but he still is doing his best to not push that boundary. And he starts off by once again not coming inside. And I have a clip of that. Come in, come in. He's getting dressed. I I wait in the car. Oh, well, welcome back. I bring presents. Really? That is so sweet. Also, for the grown-ups, I bring some of my uncle's wine, but it's come later. I just made some coffee, you sure? Thank you. But I wait in the car. Yeah, Furio brought back his magic sex wine from Italy the, that yeah. makes everybody want to screw each other. Yeah, no, and uh, and refused to give it to, to her because you know he, he has it. He has the wine, but mm. he, he's thinking twice about actually giving her a present. She kind of drink of the magic of sex wine. Who knows yes. what will happen? <laughs> he, he has restraint where Tony has none. None. Because Tony just, I mean... Tony will fuck anyone that's next to him, literally yeah. sitting on a couch next to him. I yeah, mean, this yeah. whole Later. episode is like in yeah. the aftermath of him killing Ralph in like the absolute worst moment that he could have killed Ralph in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And now he's dealing with that fallout. And Carmela, I mean, she also obviously has restraint and she mm -hmm. has like a code of ethics yeah. that she sticks to. Yeah. They are like the, the principle yeah. of it. They're, they're the strong silent type. And it's so funny that like, that is the one thing that Tony aspires to be. He wishes he was Furio, you know, and he wishes he was Svetlana even, uh, because you know, both Tony and, uh, Chrissy always succumb to whatever the temptation is, yes. whatever the temptation is, they fucking go for it. And it's like, uh, and so they see, they latch on to stronger people. Uh, even though they both consider themselves to be, uh, you know, they consider themselves to be the strong silent type, but they're fucking not. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the Svetlana kind of storyline in this episode is interesting too, because this is the first episode where, and I don't know if it's the way they shot it or whatnot, where I was like, oh yeah, Svetlana is super cute. Also low super key, cute. low key, one of the best actors on this show. Oh um, yeah, yeah, really good. I don't think she ever got her due for yeah. how good. Like everything about this character is so perfect and um and encompasses like so many layers to this character. Like at first she's just sort of like the gruff 
Russian who doesn't put up with any of Janice's bullshit. Yeah. Um, one-legged Russian smoking a cigarette while fucking like being on crutches. Yeah. And you're just like, God, which, she's a badass. Which is yeah, perfect. But then she's, there's more to her. And, uh, and those, all the other layers are great too. Yeah. She's just a magnificent character. She's super funny. The actress is incredibly talented and gorgeous. And it's, uh, and so you watch the scene where, Tony hooks up with her and you're kind of like, you know, at first, like the thought is like, ah, she's, you know, you can minimize her as being the one legged nurse or whatever, mm. but then you get to know her in the, you know, throughout the series and you're like, no, nah, she's like super hot. And I totally mm-hmm. get it like 100%. And, uh, I-, I do love to, after they hook up, um, Tony is doing his standard issue. Hey, you know, maybe uh, see you again sometime. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm kind of busy right now. But, uh, you know, maybe next Thursday or whatever. And she's like, no, this is not a good idea. No. He can't stand that because oh, the girls, they always want to see him a second time. Well, yes. Even worse, like, he expects her to be, uh, like, to feel... To feel like he was generous to share the dick with a one-legged chick. Like, he thinks she should be grateful as a cripple. And when she's not, he can't figure it out. Yeah. He's, like, legit offended. He's just, like, he just at one point goes, you didn't like it? (laughs) (laughs) A disabled broad. (laughs) I can't believe she wouldn't be grateful that I banged her out (laughs) on my uncle's stinky couch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to be ableist over here. But you're lucky to have me. All right. You only got one leg. I got two. Uh, But yeah, it is, you know, she totally rejects him and gives him the kind of like, uh, you know, um, don't call me. I'll call you type thing, which is maybe the most badass thing she's done on the show. I was just like, she's the coolest. There's also a very good little Italian American moment in there with Junior and the wine. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, Junior is, like, the first generation, so you'd expect him to... Uh, I feel like Tony's generation would expect Junior's generation to really sort of appreciate, like, Italian food and culture and stuff. And Junior immediately, like, proves himself to be, like, a wine Philistine where he takes a sip of yeah. the wine and he's like, ah, just think of people's feet. Yeah, yeah. It tastes like people's feet. Yeah. That's the thing I loved, always loved about the... when we were first introduced to Furio and they were in Italy was the juxtaposition of the Italian Americans and the Italian Italians yeah, the actual and Italians. just how like, Oh, you guys all think you're so Italian, but yeah. you're just a bunch of trash people from Jersey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, like you, you, they really, you could, I mean, like just going back to that when they were in Italy, it's like, I, I feel like even the guys, like they all knew it. They're like, Oh, we are, we are so not on the level. Yeah. I mean, these guys, they, they've spent their whole lives being sort of feeling superior to like wasps. Uh, and like, yeah. that they're so much more, uh, cultured, cultured. Yeah. And then they go to Italy and they're like, Ooh, this is, this is way too ethnic for me. This is scary. Right. Yeah. They're like the, the squid ink pasta that Polly has. And he's just like, um, I don't want this. <laughs> he <laughs> like wants macaroni. He wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like these guys are American, New Jersey trash people. And, uh, yeah, it is kind of like, I mean, I think there is a, um, fetishization of ethnicities other than their own European ethnicities. Like even, you know, with the, um, Svetlana scene, you know, 
Tony is ascribing all of this, uh, you know, strength of character and like strength to deal with pain to like, you know, you're, you're a Russian immigrant. You came, you know, from nothing and you come here and you make a life for yourself. You got one leg, you know, you got a weird <laughs> eye, you know, you, over you here kinda, all off balance. And yeah, you smell weird, you know. <laughs> I yeah. call you names. She's and it's just, it, it, but you know, uh, he's they, they all on the show. They love the European uh, idea. I, uh, idea. Well, she's all the, point, the immigrant yeah. myths that she embodies. All the immigrant myths that Tony's been trying to uh, convince Pretend, a, to convince yeah. AJ that they represent, and then yes, he sees to, yes. Svetlana, and so yeah, she is it, that to him. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I went to Russia when I was eighteen. Cause my grandma's Russian. And so we mm. went together and you know, I have like, I'm like very proud of my Russian heritage and I went there. I'm like, Oh, I'm just a trashy American. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm just a trashy American. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we, I mean, I think America, and I don't know if this is, this is probably true of other countries as well. Um, but I do feel like in America, um, with, I think white people, especially there is kind of like, uh, we like to attach some genealogical traits to whatever ethnic heritage our like great great grandfather or grandfather or mother or father. Like, oh, there's something special that we're mixing into this melting mm -hmm. pot and whatnot. Right. Um, having no ties to the culture outside of maybe your own home at most. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then kind of being like, oh shit, this is uh, you know, going to that country and being like, oh, this is uh, this is weird. This and, is weird and, and scary to me. And also, the people who live here don't seem super into it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And they don't consider me uh, a Russian the way right. I consider myself. Like, oh, what's your heritage? Like, oh, I'm Russian on my mom's side, and I'm this and that on my dad's side. Like, yeah, right. You know, and like the cultural stuff that's in my home like in a you know eastern european jewish household is like yeah. very different than it was going over there and right. hanging out with people there yeah yeah exactly it's uh yeah it's it's what we like to do as americans we like to mythologize about other places visit them and then complain about how they weren't living up to the standards that you'd hoped for um i mean everybody kind of does that it's just like Oh, I do it all the time. Well, and when, I, when you live in a city and, you know, and you have friends that come and visit you, they want to go to like whatever the main tourist attractions of that city are. And like nine times yeah. out of 10, you haven't been there yourself because it's always yeah. just right. like, oh yeah, I'll go to Alcatraz eventually. And uh, <laughs> you don't because it's just there and it's not a thing that you do feel the need right. to do. You don't um, feel the need to do it. Yeah, and, and it's half of it is because it's there. Yeah, and right. the other half is because when you think about doing that thing, it always clashes against you live there and it's real life and you have other shit to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not spending seven days in the Bay Area and like going, I have to see Alcatraz. You're like, I don't know. I got a job here. I got a girlfriend. I got a fucking mortgage. Like there's yeah. other shit to do. Oh, look, uh, I went to Alcatraz once and it was on a field trip when I was like eight. Yeah. I grew up in San Francisco. So it's like I went there once. Yeah. You got I, to I'm see not going to go there again. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're visiting San Francisco and you ask me like where to go, I like I, stay away from Fisherman's Wharf. Like for yes. the love of God, just like please do something else. Yeah. Except for Scomas, not... they got good crab. Go get that crab there. Yeah. Get... <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> you can get some. You can get some seafood. Yeah. Get some seafood, but like mostly avoid Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, uh, my favorite joke yeah. from like a open mic comic was, uh, yeah, growing up, my dad used to work at the wharf. Uh, every night he'd come home smelling of t-shirts. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> pretty good. That's yeah. not a not a great joke, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a pretty good it's joke. It's cute. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. I like it. Um, <laughs> hey Vince. Hey Matt. As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. <laughs> why Why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes, and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made, and I was surprised. He's in his 80s? And he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video, Vince, and in it he says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate. But yes. uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. Uh, his wife made the same change, and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, and the problem is, is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tony comes into the Bing. They're still looking for Ralph. And uh, while he's on the phone trying to call Ralph, pretending like he's not dead, a package <laughs> comes for him. And yeah. uh, and it's the painting is finished. It's Pai Omai and him with Ralphie cropped out, which is uh, amazing. 
Um, and he immediately throws a fit. He like runs out of the room basically in the middle of a pool game and decides to uh, call Syl and give him his orders from the phone. Meanwhile, later we see Benny and uh, was it who was that little little Polly? Yeah, I, uh, wait. Uh, in which scene? It's the scene when they're trying to burn the painting oh, yeah, yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Vinny Del Pino from, uh, from, uh, from Doogie Howser. From Doogie Howser. Uh, but it's, for the Sopranos' sake, it's Benny and little Polly. They're trying to uh, trying to burn it, and Polly sees this and freaks out because he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this is a nice painting. He says, this is a nice Classy painting. piece like this? Horse with the trees? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like... Part of it is like he sees some art there, you, you know, where he's just like, this is worth something. Um, but the other part of it is like, he is just like, I'm a classy guy. Right. Yeah. I could what have art in my house. I could, have, I could have an art inside of my house. I love art, especially classy art. And he decides <laughs> to- Put this one next to the clowns and the Velvet Elvis. And... <laughs> the Velvet Elvis. Oh, oh, what are you doing? What? Sil said torchy. Classy piece like this. Horse with the trees, wooden frame. 25 to 30 G's at a minimum. Yeah, I think it was Tony said he wanted it burnt for me, specifically. Put it in my car. <laughs> 25 Just, to 30 G's? <laughs> Horse with the trees, wooden that. frame? <laughs> I, love, I love that line. Like, there's no way... 25 to 30 G's for that painting. Like he's he's <laughs> yeah. he's insane. He has no well, idea Tony what paid art. 6000 to commission it. <laughs> yeah, to get it painted. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, he and you know, he sees a classy piece of, piece of art, he wants to save it, but he he didn't count on the fact that having your boss's fucking weird ass face looking at you in your own home is going to freak you out well, a bit. Also, here's the thing. I mean, if Tony like became if Tony went to prison and was like all over the news as this famous mob boss and you had a painting of him with this horse that he killed in an insurance scam, I feel like that painting would actually be worth something. That's true. That That's is a good, true. You like make the a good only point. Like if that was the reason he went down, you would have the only surviving uh, painting of this horse that's dead now who uh, yeah. took down a mob boss. Yeah, I'm sure that's how he th he thought it through in that sense, in terms of appraising it in that very moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not yeah. not just not that it was classy. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Long term. Yeah, he was thinking long term investment. You know, he wanted to have uh, you know, some of his assets uh, are liquid, and some of them are horse paintings, and that's <laughs> right. fine. Um, but yeah, uh, he sees it staring at him, and he realizes, oh, this is uh, this is not good. So he goes to a. Uh, I don't know. He has a guy who touches up paintings. <laughs> An Indian which, man. Yeah, which of course I love. I love that <laughs> he's got a guy. And uh and he asks to have it repainted like a revolutionary general. And uh, I have a clip of that. How much to paint a different suit on him? Change his face a little. Pardon me? Why throw it away? A stronger chin maybe. I was thinking like those paintings you see in the courthouse. Something classy, you know, like uh a revolutionary war general, Napoleon and his horse, that kind of thing. He is rather portly to be Napoleon. <laughs> Not Napoleon exactly. <laughs> Listen, bro, 
I know Napoleon. Your friend yeah. no Napoleon. Yes. He is a fat Napoleon. Not going to work. Napoleon, great man. This? Mm. The painting, once it gets rendered to look like this war general, it looks even more deranged yeah. after the fact. <laughs> like, to me, that would be even creepier, having that. Oh. It looks completely... Completely I would, insane. I love that painting. So good. There's just like a random, uh, <laughs> like historically inaccurate uh, yeah. revolutionary war general next to a horse. It still looks exactly like Tony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, like, he, he should have put a beard on him or something. He didn't change his face one well, iota. He, he that just, wouldn't be accurate. Like in the Revolutionary right. War, there was no You're facial right. hair. They didn't have beards. Yeah. No. yeah. But I, I just, I, I love the fact that these like uh you know make them look like uh you know someone classy like napoleon <laughs> you know uh, i want it to look like the classy paintings they have in the courthouse and it's like <laughs> i don't know I, like your frame of reference is so mafia yeah. that like if i were a painter and you told me all that i'm like just context clues alone so i know you've murdered people absolutely and he's never I, been in an art museum he's never stepped no, foot in one before no no, no, no. He's uh, he's always found them uh, a bit queer for his time. Uh, and so just him deciding on the Napoleon thing, I thought to tie it back to like their obsession with people uh, of European ancestry. Like to me, I was just like, this is just his this whole weird Sopranos European fetish where he's just like, oh, yeah, it's some classy, you know, like not from here at all. You know, <laughs> like some something foreign and weird like Napoleon or or, or horses, you know, yeah. so it's it's kind of uh, it's it's a lovely Polly moment. And uh, I appreciate any time Polly makes uh, a few, you know, a multiple scene appearance and has his own storyline in the Sopranos. Yeah. Me too. But, uh, you know, obviously like the centerpiece scene in all of this is mm-hmm. the intervention. Yes. So to get there, <clears throat> excuse me, to get there, we, <laughs> we got to, uh, we got to say what happens, uh, you know, with Chris's storyline. So we start out, obviously breaks Cosette's neck. And then uh, this kind of sends Adriana down a spiral. You know, she's trying very desperately not to snitch you know she knows she's caught up with the fbi um but she's not telling anything and you can tell that she's like being very like cagey with them and this is the first time i think we see her do some legit snitching and it's mostly about how her boyfriend fiance just killed her dog and is a drug addict he's fucking stoned on h all the time okay you know, we put you guys on the mailing list for Hazelden. That rehab shit. That's where all those brochures are coming from? From you? Convince him he needs help, that he should be in rehab. No. Look I like that they're just listening to some Lilith Fair ass music. Totally. But also, uh, th- this part of the this, this story... I don't know if I can buy that the FBI is jeopardizing their sting to uh, send Christopher fucking rehab brochures. Like if they thought they had a, a weak link heroin addict in the mafia, they right. would just try and catch that guy with drugs on him and turn him like they would, like they did with Adriano. Like why would, Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that would accomplish to se- to send uh rehab brochures to their house I, yeah i wasn't sure either um but i kind of 
Yeah, I just went with it because I assumed that, like, you know, we all know, like, the FBI, they really care about people. Sure. I mean, it clearly and, was, like, a means to an end to have, for Adriana and Chris to have this sort of confrontation. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was for them there to be a rift and her not w- wanting to protect him anymore because he beat the shit out of her when she yeah. confronted him about his problem. And that would God, be a crazy long con if right. that was their entire thing was so that he would be like, where are all these brochures coming from? It must be you. I'm going to beat you up. Like, damn, that is, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the FBI. No, I think there it's more like a, doing when I say means to an end, I mean more for like the showrunners than, uh, no, I F- figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, at this point, Adriana's got to wonder, like, this is the life that, uh, I'm going to go to jail to protect this lifestyle. Yeah, seems yeah. not worth it. And no. uh and it keeps getting worse, you know. Uh Chris ends up getting robbed um by uh some Puerto Rican fellas and uh he and he reacts to that robbery in a way that I'm like I I got to respect like being able to talk back to people who you're buying drugs from who are trying to rob you because mm-hmm. uh as someone who has been robbed by drug dealers before, not not at gunpoint, um but at like uh kind of like insinuated gunpoint uh where you don't see a gun but they you know are like uh you don't have to pull that gun out sir you can just have the money yeah yeah oh you can take the money yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i'll give you the money yeah that's fine um but uh you know the way that he's just like hey what are you they're like what are you gonna use this for and he's like to fuck your mother or something no he's yeah what do you what do you do with this i'm gonna put it in your mother's twat right A bold move because yeah. it's like, man, you know, you got to give him points for bravery. They could have just popped him right there and yeah. ended it. Like for a statement like that. Yeah. you'd fi- <laughs> Instead, instead <laughs> they just beat him down with a xylophone, which was a really good, uh, a really good detail. <laughs> so funny. Beating it's someone. Great. It's great because that's a humiliating thing to get beat with. <laughs> yeah. It's like so infantilizing and just. <laughs> It's humiliating. Just it's, making doink and clang sounds while you get your head kicked in. Just hitting you in the head with a triangle and a fucking tambourine. You got a, you got a whole family band there. <laughs> Put this kazoo up his ass. <laughs> Make him play the Star Spangled Banner. Like that is, uh, it's it's beautiful. Um <sighs> And we get introduced to um, one of my favorite one-time-only characters, Eddie. Eddie the Junkie, who... Amazing. uh, Poor bastard. I mean, he was just trying to do Christopher a solid. In exchange for money. (laughs) cleaned him up, gave him some drugs, and he wanted to get paid back for the drugs that he he shelled out. This is such a perfect... Eddie is such a perfect example of the kinds of people you just end up hanging out with and becoming friends with completely out of the blue yes because you're high or you're like doing you know you're buying drugs somewhere and you meet this person and suddenly like you're in their car yeah or you're at their house or they're at your house and and you're like who the fuck is this (laughs) and he acts like your old friends it's like no it's me eddie you know from down the park (laughs) but that's the thing is yeah yeah introducing him to other people is always the most embarrassing thing like being next to someone who is essentially your uh your he's not your plug but he knows the good plug like he knows Mm -hmm. the good dealer so you're like oh fuck i gotta hang out with this guy he knows where all the morphine is so i gotta have this shirtless guy in my car and like I can't tell you the amount of times I've had to drive 
people who I'm just like, oh God, this is, I just don't want to spend a long period of time with this person, you know, to the drug dealer's house. And yeah, sometimes they become your friend. I I kicked someone out of, I don't know if my car was moving. I don't remember, but it was, I violently threw someone out of my car once because I had made friends with them, quote unquote, (laughs) earlier in the night. But by 7 a.m., I was sick of them. Yes. And they were driving me fucking nuts. And I had hit a wall and I was just trying to score. Yes. You know, it's seven in the morning and this person wouldn't stop talking. And I finally was like, get the fuck out of the car. Get the fuck out of the car. And I just threw them out of my car, my little Volvo. And it was, you know, but those are the types of people I would invite into, you know, my spaces or my car or introduced to whoever was still hanging around with me at that time. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine all the people that you were forced to hang out with just in the process of trying to get drugs. It's the I mean, worst. I, I moved in with my drug dealer. Like, oh damn, uh, nice. So, so there are people coming in and out all the time. People who I just did not want to see. Yeah, you, you yeah. have to hang out with them. Yeah, it's part of the deal. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just like it's it's for me. It's like it's an argument for legalization because it's mm, like sometimes yeah. you just want to go to the store and buy the right. drugs. Yeah, but it was always like I was always in the position of having a phone number just go dead on me where I was just like, you lose your connection Mm -hmm. and then you're like, Oh, what's the name of that weird guy, Eddie or something. (laughs) I have his number in my phone. Hey Eddie. Uh, you know, and then you have to call them and, Oh, you have to talk to them. And then, Oh man. Oh, I can't even like, I had this one guy who literally I drove him and his friend randomly. He brought his friend into my car uh because he was the guy who knew the the new drug dealer i needed to meet and they spent the whole ride uh fucking just being like basically telling me like part of this you like introduction process like to meet this person like you're gonna have to pay us by like giving us drugs too (laughs) and i was just like okay yeah i get it i get it this is a super secret like fucking whatever and it just ended up being like just some some guy and and we bought the <laughs> drugs and i was like here here's your fucking dr- i never want to talk to you again it was like 2 hours with people anyways i feel like Eddie's, the dealers no, are always the dealers are probably like always buddying up to you and they're like you know you have you're trying to do like a conversation where you guys yeah. each share stories about your lives and their life is way different than yours but then you well, realize what your life has uh, sort of become uh, in having di- to swap stories with them true <laughs> true but it's different because it's we're not talking just dealers what we're talking about is addicts right. who also mm. have the connections right so you're like you make a you make a lot of friends with people who are just other addicts uh, it's kind of like recovery, but backwards. You yes, become, it's the cursed version of recovery. It's the, the cursed version. Yes. You're hanging out with people who would not normally mix. Whereas yes. in recovery, you're doing the same, but it's in a generally and, positive. Yeah. Light, in a positive direction. You, in a you healthy are, way. You but, are talking but, and connecting with addicts in a healthy way. But that is the magic of being a drug addict and alcoholic is you can drop us anywhere in the world and we will find the other addicts <laughs> yes. and be like, hey, where can I score? Yeah. I, yeah. It's like we have a radar or we something. We do. We have this. It's because we all have the same look on our face, which is like, <laughs> where is it? It's the same look. Honestly, it's the same look that the T-1000 had most of the movie when he's yes. just looking for John Connor like mm-hmm. that 
that movie i swear the actor was fucking like he modeled himself after a junkie who's in complete mission mode because that's what you look like you're like where is it where is it anyways yeah that's okay i mean i i brought it my poor father I, i brought some guy home who i had met in a video store this is how long ago this was <laughs> i was a teenager and uh you know the next thing i know we're driving through marin county with a gun in the back seat mm-hmm. and he's running late for his therapy appointment it was tragic <laughs> it was i mean it was no dad this is so eddie embarrassing. It, it's it's but, eddie you know but from that's the what video i said store. to my dad because <laughs> yeah. i brought him home so yeah. we could like do the drugs that we had got and this is all happening in the morning like yeah. it was in the morning uh and i don't know how long i'd been awake for but you know, I'm like, this is this is so and so dad. He's a friend of mine from school. I had never met this guy before until I met him at the video store. Yeah. I didn't know this guy. Yeah. He's cool. Leave us alone. That's a great way to introduce people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Eddie, what happened? Got jacked by some spicks. Took his ride as fucking watch too. Jesus Christ, the Cartier. Christopher, you're bleeding. Stop touching it. Oh my God, baby. Does you think I could ever get some money? What? <laughs> Who are you? Eddie. <laughs> Down apart. He's good people, Adrian. I took him home, you know, he was all fucked up, and I'm straightening him out. Here's my 30 bucks. Get the fuck out of here. What? Adrian. Get out of my house. Fuck stiff me on this, man. Get out. What's the matter with you? The guy's my friend. That's your friend? <laughs> That's your friend, dude. That's Eddie. And That's uh, Eddie from the park. Yeah, it's Eddie from the park, from down the park. Everyone knows Eddie. It's old junkie Eddie. What I love to, this is a bit of trivia for this episode. Eddie, I don't know if you noticed, Vince, is wearing the jacket. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. That's a really what good is the jacket. The jacket the from the jacket. It was like, the jacket. It was like uh is Richie April. Oh, that jacket. Yeah, Richie April gives Tony the jacket. Ja- if Tony does not like the jacket, gives it to uh Carm, who gives it to the maid, who it somehow ends up on Eddie. And Incredible. I just a beautiful touch. Um yeah. so it ends up with uh, in, in, that scene ends with Aid uh, being beaten and ass- assaulted by uh, Chris for you know she shows him brochures of rehab and he gets mad, steals money out of her wallet, hits her and then leaves. Um, and that's when Adriana tells uh, Tony and Carmela and they decide, hey, we got to have an intervention, and they end up being. Uh, doing a pre-intervention with this guy his name is dominic what's his last name one second we call him pork loin dominic pork loin (laughs) he stole all those pork loins (laughs) an ex-con he's like an ex-mafioso is that what he's supposed to be or he's a low-level mob guy who he's like the one mob guy that they know who's in recovery who who probably did something you know like stole pork loins and went to jail and then got clean in jail yeah and is the one guy they know and it's so funny watching them have no regard for (laughs) anyone in recovery i almost respect it in a way where i'm just like yeah you know they're just regular guys who you know who look at a person in recovery and say you know you're if you were a scumbag once you're a scumbag for life and i'm like man these guys 
they hold on to a grudge. I respect that. Um, and I, I have a clip of the uh, the pre-intervention uh, interview. Good afternoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dominic, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Oh, forget scumbag. <laughs> now, any one of you guys been involved in an intervention before? <laughs> Cora smoking pot once. I like how he didn't even like like Polly doesn't even really know this guy, and he's just yeah. like, not to mention a piece of shit. Am I right? <laughs> hey, I came here to help you, but okay, God. I mean, I can only imagine that he remembers him as the guy who stole the pork loins. I don't know, but he's just looking at him. He's like, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, clearly. But uh, not really. No, no problem. An intervention is a non-judgmental confrontation. A carefrontation, we call it. Ugh. What if he's high when we try to talk to him? Then we wait till he's sober. During my first intervention, Stephen Petrano waited 10 hours for me to sober up. Your first intervention? In 1997, I suffered a relapse. As in heroin addiction, alcoholics suffer fairly high recidivism rate. Great. So he's taking advice from a two-time loser. <laughs> It's so mean. It's so, so real, though. This yes. scene is just so grounded in reality because, like, look, drug addicts and alcoholics, like, we are fucking scumbags until yes. until we learn not to be scumbags yes. and yeah. do a lot of work and make a lot of amends and completely fix our lives. And so it it's like this is the reaction we get from people who know us only from our actions before or as yes. someone who is a quote-unquote two-time loser who doesn't yes. know what the recovery process i love that i love that they were treating him as such and i mean at least in my case like i we were talking before we started recording like both matt and i had interventions like you do call the person who's a friend of the family who is in recovery to be like what yeah. do we do you know yeah yeah, that's that's the way you do it. I mean, it's like uh, and I completely agree with you, too, that it's like there is something about showing the very, you know, it's not the show intervention where people no. are like crying and whatnot in this. It's literally people who are mad. Yeah. Uh, at <laughs> yeah. Him. Someone who they people don't who are mad and one guy who's incredibly defensive. Yeah. 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 And 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 they're also they look at people who have wronged them. And go like, I don't care what your excuse. I don't care if you were high back then and are sober now. When you wrong someone, it is kind of up to them whether or not they want to consider you a scumbag or not. That's not your. That's not on you anymore. You can't be like, no, but I'm changed. I'm different and better now. No, I mean, and that's part of the recovery process is yeah. knowing that when you do go around eventually and make all of your amends, it's not up to you yeah. for the other person to forgive you. If yeah, they totally. decide not to forgive you, well, okay, like, yeah, you yeah, gotta move on. Fucking, yeah. Keep your side of the street clean and fucking continue making a living amends. But like I people like are absolutely allowed not to accept that you're not a scumbag anymore. And I that's love, like yeah. living with that is a lot of fun as an addict because you're just like, hey, you know what? Some people out there are like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's a piece of shit. He's the guy <laughs> who's crashed my car. <laughs> I uh, I love that they had Adriana start because, you know, 
theoretically, like she'd be the most sympathetic and uh, most oh. into this process because she's going to benefit, stands to benefit the most from it. Yes. And she immediately does like the worst thing that she could possibly do, which is like, not, she basically just calls him, instead of pointing out all the awful things that he does when he's high, she's like, you, you don't fuck me anymore and you're not a man. <laughs> you don't function as a man. Yeah. <laughs> and- just so fucked in front of all his friends in front of all the guys like to emasculate him like that i so i have a i have a clip of the actual intervention um and it is it's such a perfect scene that it's like i i barely cut anything out of it it's just so good all the way through so i have a clip have a sheet christopher hey i'm dominic i know you don't know me but uh yeah, you're the guy who uh, broke into Stu Lennon's that time. You stole all those pork loins. <laughs> yeah, that's not why I'm here today. <laughs> Christopher, we're here to talk about your drug problem. What? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you fucking kidding me? Sorry, baby, please. No, fuck this shit. You've been told once. Now sit down. I mean, even better than, like, The Wire, and I... I think The Wire is one of the greatest television shows of all time, if not the greatest. Mm-hmm. But even in that, they treat recovery with a degree of respect. Uh, yes. Whereas this is so, like, there, there's a little bit of respect, but it's like 90%. This is how these characters would do it, which is yes. uh, completely flawed and fucked yeah. up. And, of course, it would turn into, like, a shitty mall fight uh, yeah. by the end of it. It's it's it, like I said, it's grounded in reality for how these characters would yes. behave in an intervention, because like, yes, there is boohooing and sadness and crying in an intervention. And, you know, depending on who's there and who's speaking, because they do. That is a real thing. They read the letters like, yeah, no, they that do was pre intervention where they all get together and talk shit about you behind your back. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it felt at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. so you guys, yeah. I, I, that's what I said at my intervention. I'm like, so you guys just all got together to like talk mad shit about me? What the yeah. fuck? Like, and and Chris does the, has the perfect reaction. No matter what the context is of what anyone is saying in an intervention, whether they're like, we love you, sweetie, or like you're a piece of shit, you don't fuck me. The, the alcoholic is always going to be on the defensive, no matter what yes. they're saying. Because well, that just is a, in the nature. I think anybody, because like it's just a series of people giving their side of uh, some disagreement you had, and you're not allowed to present your side. So it's just you're getting like a bunch of one-sided accounts of the times that you were shitty. Who the fuck wants to hear that? And no one wants to hear it, especially if you're an addict. And it's a genius thing about the intervention in general is um, and it's the not just the nature of intervention, but it's also the nature of like uh, 12 step programs and recovery is the one person speaking at a time and there's no crosstalk and there's no like it's not a conversation because addicts, you know, you you thrive off of manipulation. You thrive off of conversation. It's the only way you get to like weasel your way out of stuff is to be like, okay, in my defense. I was, you know, I wasn't drunk then. I was sick. You know, something like that is is part of being an addict. And not being allowed to do that, oh, my God, it makes you so mad. Great. I can't even defend myself now? No one's attacking you, Chris. Look, it doesn't change anything. But I can verify that he was sick for a little while. Uh, At my intervention, I woke up. There was not, there was near a single professional there. There was no one who was, it was just my friends. Uh, I woke up in the house that I was currently sleeping at at that time. And there were 
I, they were all in the living room and I went, all right, this is it. Huh? We're doing <laughs> We're doing the intervention. Um, there was only one guy crying and he cried the whole time. He's this very sweet man, this guy, Nick. And uh, I remember just looking at him being like, and I didn't say this at the time, but I was like, why are you crying? Yep. No one else is crying. Why are you crying? And I definitely pulled a little bit of a Chris where I pointed out that sure i like to do heroin but you guys drink mm -hmm. every day and sometimes you do cocaine and you smoke weed constantly yeah. and i don't even drink that much i just like heroin so how am i any different <laughs> you and christopher are putting the whole system on trial exactly <laughs> yeah i mean that was great when he christopher started putting everyone on blast who was oh. there because i mean i definitely did a version of that at my intervention where i mean for me personally mine felt i was very much like a wild teen on maury yeah it felt like everyone was ganging up on me and i was telling like sit down sit down you don't know me you don't know me and like, i did have like professionals there and the thing about and i knew i was going i knew like we're we're smart you can't pull one like they really surprised chris and sometimes that is how it worked but like like you said matt like you were like oh this is what we're doing yeah i knew what i was walking into i had been around people in recovery before i had been to a meeting when i was 13 like i yeah. knew the whole fucking deal so I but I definitely did that like oh boohoo your life is so hard yeah like, you right. want to know what I had to do last weekend to get high like you know <laughs> fuck yeah. you you don't even fucking know and yeah I and mean, he it has was a mess. he actually has dirt on all, all of them basically yeah. oh like some actual like real dirt and uh you know this is supposed to be like this time of openness uh but of course <laughs> they're in the mafia so the minute he does that it's like well now you're a weak link and we have to beat the shit out of you Christopher, I love you very much. My only dream is that we have a happy life together. The last few months, things have got very bad with us because of you <laughs> using drugs all the time. You're high all the time and I can't take it. Be specific, hon. When we first started going out, we made love all the time. Now, because of the drugs... Jesus, is this fucking necessary? Go ahead, John. You can no longer function as a man. <laughs> Last week when I came home to learn that you had killed our dog, that was the final straw. Oh. <laughs> you killed the dog? What'd you do that for? It was an accident. Oh, what was it, barking? He said, oh, no, I was high. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I fell asleep. She got suffocated or something. You killed little Cosette. I had to suffocate you, you little prick. Tony, we're going in order. Sylvia? When I came in to open up one morning, there you were with your head half in the toilet. Your hair was in the toilet water. Disgusting. I told you I had the flu. <laughs> That's that the best. my favorite the best disgusting. It's not, a, it's, not about, it's not about Christopher, you're sick. It's about you humiliated us. Yeah. That, is not how, that is not classy. It's not even like you humiliated us. It's just like it was gross for me to have to see that. And it's, I don't want to see that again. Disgusting. It's, it's yucky. It's like everyone's reacting to their own special... Uh, yes. You know, whatever their special weird idiosyncrasy is, like Tony right. loves animals and he can't stand the idea. And Silvio is a germaphobe and yes. uh, Adriana wants to have more sex. It's not like yeah. you're killing yourself with drugs. It's just like, this is how you made me upset. 
Right, right. I mean, Ex- it's it's when they say that addiction and alcoholism is a family disease. Like this is such a perfect example of that <laughs> yeah. because everyone in this room is equally sick in their own ways. <laughs> yes. Like just, Chris just happens to be sick with alcoholism and addiction but everyone else is such a fuck up still yeah yeah it is it is wonderful to watch a bunch of other sick people like like legitimately sick fucked up individuals being like you you gotta get your shit together (laughs) and 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 chris sees you know obviously the hypocrisy in that but in terms of like you know people's weird little idiosyncrasies I think Polly's is my favorite, my f- mm. absolute favorite, uh, like intervention moment. Paul, you want to read your statement? <laughs> I don't write nothing down, <laughs> so I'll keep this short and sweet. You're weak, you're out of control, and you become an embarrassment to yourself and everybody else. Oh, listen, guys, to you guys! Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> we said non-judgmental. Fuck that! Let him take his medicine. Seriously, Paul, you want to talk about fucking up? Watch it, Chrissy. Why? I thought we'd be an honest here. You got some balls, you know that? All of you. You want to talk about self-control? How about you, Sil? Fucking every slut you got working in the place Uh-oh. when you got a wife and kids at home? Guys, guys, whoa, whoa. Christopher. Oh, you, Paulie? Yeah, remember last winter in the woods with the Russian guy? Christopher, I'm fucking warning you. Bro. There he goes, Mr. Type A personality. We are here to talk about you killing yourself with drugs, not my fucking personality. That's right. I'm going to kill myself? The way you fucking eat, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 50? <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, sit down. You're talking to the boss here. Good, maybe someone will smack some goddamn sense into him. Great, my own mother. <laughs> Fuck you, you fucking whore. That was the same thing that set Tony off when he was uh, had, when he ha- had to kill Ralph. Was that Ralph made a fat joke about how much pork he's eaten? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what the fucked up thing is. Uh, Chris was right. That's exactly <laughs> what happened to James Candolfini. Yeah, he was. I, he died of a heart attack at the age of fifty-one. He said, "You'll be dead by the time you're 50. So, yeesh. Yeah, oh. I didn't even note that at the time until you pointed it out. I yeah. just love the things that Tony, like those are his, that is his last nerve, like with the animals or with his mm-hmm. weight, you know, mm-hmm. um, I These do are- love, I do love that in the Sopranos like that, you know, weight and being fat is like, has, has, is a theme that's come up yeah. so many times, like with, uh, Johnny Genie. Sachs's wife. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's one of my favorite characters Yes, yeah. on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it means, you know, it's like these are the things everyone's sensitive about different things in that intervention. And Tony's has always been both uh, his his weight and uh, the fact that he's just weirdly obsessed with animals. Right. And likes animals more than he likes humans. So they beat the shit out of Chris. uh, And then Chris is in the hospital. And one of my favorite lines is uh, is the the person said, uh, he he fell while he was spraying for ants. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing socks like, on the counter. Well, he was wearing socks at the time. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. And then yeah. Um. So basically, uh, 
Tony, you know, threatens Chris into rehab and Chris agrees after crying. And uh, it's uh, it's all it's it's one way to do it. To be honest, it's like there's with this whole intervention episode, I, I look at it and I look back and I go like, I understand the the reason why you would think the best thing we can do here is threaten this guy's life because it's like the one thing that everyone wants to do. I think with, when you have a loved one who's like suffering with something that you think is in their control, like drugs or alcohol, you're kind of like the, the, your initial reaction is like, do we send them to jail or, you know, do we, uh, do, what if I just beat the shit out of him? Maybe, maybe that'll work. So, uh, it's funny that it ends up with him actually being, uh, in a situation where they're like, Patsy Parisi is outside in a, in a hotel near the rehab. And if you, if you'd try anything, then we're going to fucking kill you. So it's pretty beautiful. And, um, yeah, I would have to say that uh, if we're doing favorite, least favorite, well, Vince, tell me what's, what's your favorite in this, um, in this God, episode? I mean, there's a lot of low key, great moments, uh, in this episode, obviously like Silvio's statement at the, uh, during the intervention was great, but, uh, in terms of like a really, um, just, a like a subtle great moment. Uh, I, Furio always cracks me up. And just when he says, he says, I'm going to go watch at the Bloomberg. Uh, yes, like, yes. <laughs> it killed me for <laughs> whatever reason. Down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a um, very great line. I mean, and then he, he is later, he goes like, they don't have the cable, which <laughs> is, uh, Oh, that's too bad. Um, let me see. Uh, Rachel, do you have a favorite or least favorite? Well, now that we just listened to that clip, just, how remarkable that whole scene is it's like beat for beat it's just like it's like a choreography it's just like so mm -hmm. perfect it's like all i don't know it's just the way it's not just the way it's written it's just the actors they're all just so fucking on point in that scene it's they're just perfect. like boom 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 like all the insults and then it just culminates in this everyone getting this shit kicked out of them everyone beating up chris yeah um, I just and and also just Tony's delivery of like you killed the fucking dog. Yeah. Like he is fucking like that was the last nerve for him. Yeah. Like that's I just I don't know. I like it. I mean, I know we didn't talk about Dr. Melfi, but yeah. I love the scene where he's in therapy and she's asking him about the animals. Like, what is it with you and animals? And he's having yeah. this vulnerable moment where he starts crying, but he's still being defensive, even though yeah. He's literally like you can see him crying, but even yeah. through his tears, he's being defensive about yeah. why he's he sensitive. He kind of whines too. He goes, "Oh well, you guys won't have to deal with me anymore, will right. you?" You know, I I I just doubled up my uh, Prozac. It, it just like man, he's petulant even in tears. Mm -hmm. Perfect, perfect child shit. Oh, another yeah. really subtle moment that I enjoyed was. Uh, that Furio can't spell Meadows like the way he spelled her name, which was M A E D O, like Medo. Hey, yeah. okay. this is a present for Medo. It yeah. took me until after <laughs> that scene was over to realize he was trying to say Meadow. I was <laughs> yeah, like, is yeah. that an Italian word? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck does yeah. that mean? <laughs> yeah pretty amazing and also uh, carmela like crestfallen that there wasn't a gift in there for her oh so like she went digging through and she was just like oh she's like holding yeah. it upside down looking for the thing that's going to declare his love for her yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, it's very cute, very sad. Um, yeah, I would have to say, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the best scene ever is this fucking intervention scene. It is the most perfect scene in the Sopranos thus far. I would have to say it's number one. Uh, it just, it's the funniest scene. Every character is just knocks it out of the park and it's, it's fucking perfect. Um, I also very much so enjoyed, um, I, I enjoyed junior's suggestion of just murdering him. I thought, I thought that was great. Um, and finally, uh, I, I agree completely with what you said, Rachel, about like how the last straw really was the dog, the the finding out the dog was murdered. And it's so telling because when he found out that Adriana had been hit by Chrissy, his reaction was, what for? Which <laughs> <Right>. is... <laughs> Which is the greatest reaction that he would have because it's like, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily, it's a question I understand for a second thinking of like, well, why did he hit you? But it's also like, you would never ask that if you're in front of someone who got hit. No. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter why it's something an insane person does. But for him, he's like, well, there could be a perfectly good reason for you being hit. There's no good reason to kill a dog, even accidentally. So Right. And everyone else is like, was he barking? Was he barking? Yeah, he was he barking? <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. So, all in all, I would say I have no least favorite scenes. It's a great episode. One of the best scenes ever. In I mentioned it, my so. least favorite just because it didn't make sense with the FBI supposedly sending yeah. uh, recovery brochures to Christopher's house. Yeah. And also, see AJ being a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. AJ- uh, yeah, watching AJ just being like cock blocking is so sad. Yes. Just a boring. He wants cock to go blocking. to Comp USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get a new magic stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so nineties. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, all in all, if I had to rate this episode on some sort of grade scale. I think I would give it a solid B plus. Vince, what would you give it? Wow, that's like a really bold grade that I would have never thought to give this episode. But like mm. now that you now that, now that you say it, I really think it was a solid B plus of an episode. No, oh, all right, fair enough. Rachel, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, you know, what well, what would you give it? I like this episode. A lot more than the one I was on, the episode we reviewed last time I was on, right. the Christmas one. So I'd have to give it a B plus. Yeah, that's fair. It's a solid B plus of an episode and a solid A plus 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 of an episode of Pod Yourself Again. Uh, Rachel Fisher, thank you so much for coming back and talking Sopranos with us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy your podcast and it was oh. a blast talking about this episode. Absolutely. Well, it was a blast having you on. Where can people find you and listen to your podcast? I have a podcast called Hollywood Crime Scene. We talk about crimes related to celebrities or crimes taking place in Los Angeles. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts. And yeah, that's where you can find me or on Twitter at the Rachel Fisher. Check out Hollywood Crime Scene podcast for all of your Hollywood Crime Scene content that you could ever want. Um, thank you again for coming on broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns, Vince, before we get out of here, we have 
listen to this one two three four five new Holy pod yourself a shout crap. out patrons didn't put these on there i didn't even get to i didn't even get oh to no they're pre- on there i know but i didn't get to preload these before the show i think i gotta i gotta come up with these boom boom on the boom spot. on the fly i mean i basically right. have been doing that anyway but yeah but uh yeah you kind of right off the top of your head first we're starting with uh his his name is brett sheebish oh brett sheebish brett she bitch. Uh, we call him the wolf because he's a she bitch. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. All right. Next is uh, Sarah Farnbauch. Oh, Farn. Oh, the farm bitch. Uh, we call her. Uh... All right. <laughs> they can't be Brett she bitch and farm bitch. Call her Billy Goat because she's a farm bitch. Uh, All right. It works. Billy Goat. That's a good nickname. Yeah, that works. Uh, Sarah, the Billy Goat. Uh, and, uh, next we have, uh, and this was, uh, a shout out bought by Scott Grabel to his fiance, Bridget Boyle. So Bridget Boyle. Oh yeah. We call her a uh, Boyle. She's uh we call her, we call her the zit. <laughs> way, way to go. Congratulations, Scott. Yeah. Congratulations. congratulations. I'm marrying no, the zit. Yeah, and, and happy birthday! It's Bridget's birthday. Oh, That's happy why. Happy birthday to the happy zit. Happy birthday, Bridget. The zit. Let's not. All right. <laughs> and uh, Brooke Magny. Oh, Brooke Magny, Magnum PA. We call him. We call him Selick because he's uh, you know, the Magnum. He's the Magnum. Yeah, Magnum PA. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I got it. it. You get it's it. It's pretty good. Hey. And finally, Josh Walters. Hey, hey, we got we got big fat Josh coming over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if he's got a weight problem or if it's maybe an ironic nickname. We call him he's so skinny, Big Fat Josh. Big Fat Josh over here. All right. Well, patreon.com slash fraudcast. I'm just joshing over here. Just joshing. Uh, the $8 tier, pod yourself a shout out, gets you a shout out on the podcast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fraudcast. Fraudcast at gmail.com. Um, oh, Finally, sorry, before uh, we do go, I did want to give a real quick shout out, a real quick shout out to um, our $10 patron, Barry Leach. Uh, We'll call him Barry. Give him a name real quick. Hey, he's the leech. I mean, that's a freaking gimme right there. That's a gimme. Barry the leech. Uh, Barry uh, pointed out to us that we have not done a free fraud cast in a while. I want to just point out real quick that uh, when Pod Yourself a Gun... Uh, season starts then all of our fraudcasts go into just being patreon only so for all you fraudcast fans out there who are like not yet you know every episode with the pod yourself a gun just as soon as the season is over there will be free fraudcasts for all so barry thank you for pointing that out we love you fraudcast at gmail.com vince what's the google voice number 415-275-0030 all right everyone thanks again so much for listening and until next time don't stop believing When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.